You're listening to the Summer Camp Music Festival Podcast with your host, Camp Counselor Derek. Ahoy, campers! Hey, can you feel camp getting closer? Lots of questions out there on the Facebook page, constant pleading for a lineup, all the usual good stuff. Well, there's not much news from above this week, although I hear there may be some kind of announcement this week about something above my clearance level. Stay tuned to social media for that. As you may have seen, Tier 2 ticket prices just went away, so hopefully you scooped up your tickets before the price change. One question I've seen out there is, is it, will it sell out? I mean, I'm sure Three Sisters Park has some kind of capacity limit, but in the 20 years that I've gone, it's never sold out. I don't see that happening anytime soon. I think a couple years ago, maybe numbers were down a little bit, and I would expect that they will be up this year because everyone seems to be returning back to normal pandemic-wise. Then again, maybe there are some of the older crowd that are still being cautious. Who knows? But I can say with confidence that it will not sell out. Uh, Lots of questions about camping, so I'll I'll just go over that briefly. For the most part, the festival is not car-side camping. Now, they have added a car side option this year, but in terms of general camping, not VIP that is, you have to lug all of your stuff in and it will be searched. A wagon is a must, people. I can't stress that enough. You'll want to plan your trips to the car, uh, bring your tent in first and get your spot set up, and make sure you have plenty of water when you do that in the August heat. If you're in VIP, it's similar, but you get to park a lot closer to the camping area. Speaking of that, many people continue to ask if VIP is worth it. Years ago, I might have said it's not necessary. This year in particular, you're going to want that access to VIP, to the VIP tent, just for shade. Uh, But also for cheaper drinks, and as of the last couple years, a really solid, solid lineup of bands in there. Uh, And that's only available to VIP. Plus, the VIP showers and bathrooms are better. So if you're on the fence, do it. You'll thank me. And then one last thing about ticket sales. If you have tickets to sell, go to CashOrTrade.com. That's where the festival organized say to go, and it seems to be the most trustworthy place. That said, I would think selling a camp ticket for face value might be a little difficult because it doesn't sell out. But who knows, maybe after the price increase, you'll find someone looking for a tier one price deal. All right, all of that is old news to the majority, so let's get on with the meat of this show. And this week, that meat is Mr. Ryan Stasek. That's right, the lanky bassman and kickballer who has been in so many legendary projects at camp. Huey Lewis and the Rumors, God Boner with Gene Ween, the Nirvana tribute, the Green Day tribute, and of course, Doom Flamingo. I caught up with the Doom bassist on his way to the gym. Here's the interview. Stick around after the interview for the Jam of the Week featuring the man. summer campers i am here with ryan stasic how are you today ryan um as some like to say i'm hard to be better it's hard to be better <laughs> i'm not hard but it it's it's hard to be better that's well, what i meant we'll see if we can change that <laughs> i don't know what that means um 
So the first question I ask everybody on this podcast, and uh, I, I guess I'm particularly interested to uh, to know your answer because um, by the time this comes out, we will be the same age. Uh, so my first question is, what was your first concert? And and by that, I mean like the first concert that had a huge impact on you. Yeah, you look great for 27, by the way. Um, my first concert, um, and it did have an impact on me, my sister and I, um, grew up in Pittsburgh and I was with all my family and they took me to the old civic arena um, where the dome would open, where the penguins used to play. And they used to have concerts there. And it was Starship and Cutting Crew uh, opened up for them. And the reason I remember Cutting Crew is because my sister's favorite song was I Just Died in Your Arms Tonight, which is probably the only Cutting Crew song I could even name to this day. And um, my aunt brought us and we were on the floor. We stood on the seats. Uh, we borrowed lighters from cigarette smokers and did the whole like it was a real concert experience. It was so much fun for me and my sister. So that was like I was like, wow, I've been to a live music event and there's tons of people here. And this is what this is all about. The energy, the magic. That, that was that was big because my, my mom and dad didn't take us to a lot of uh, rock concerts as a kid. So when I moved to Kalamazoo, Michigan, when I was 11, 12, um, I started seeing a lot of concerts by myself uh, because arena rock was still pretty big in the late 80s and early 90s. So countless, countless bands, but the ones that really changed my life were probably Pantera um, because of just being in the pit physical contact, uh, the aggression, the, the mosh pit, um, getting hit, getting slammed, crowd surfing. I mean, that, the danger, something just touched me there. And I, and I was really, uh, again, no pun intended there, but uh, <laughs> I was just really into, 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 into metal and, and um, the obnoxious and, and the chaos, the obnoxiousness and chaos. Yeah, well, we have a, um, a Starship is certainly a great one. Uh, we have a little bit of a first concert connection in that um, my first concert was Huey Lewis in the news. Um, and uh, you've had the pleasure of playing with Huey. I did, uh, which is Uncle, one Uncle the, Huey. One of the many summer camp stories we can get to. Uh, you, you said you, you grew up in uh, Pittsburgh and then Michigan, right? Yeah. And then did you move to Indiana for school? Or did you have yeah, well, to live I, in oh. Indiana? 
I lived in Indiana when I went to Notre Dame. Okay, so I lived in South right. Bend. And then um, after everyone, after Mikey had graduated, we all moved to Chicago the summer of 2000. What, uh, I, so I, I just actually moved out of Chicago. I lived there for 20 years from 99 until about six months ago. Well, what neighborhood did you live in? Uh, my first two years were uh, Wrigleyville, right by um, Belmont and Sheffield area kind of, you know, walking distance from Wrigley Field. And then I lived down um, in uh, Gold Coast, Streeterville for 10 to 12 years, um, right on Lakeshore Drive. So it was very peaceful, quiet, safe, like, uh, you know, not a lot, not a lot of action unless you went to the Viagra Triangle area <laughs> uh, where I was. And, uh, and even a lot's changed since, uh, since I left in 2012. Yeah, well, a lot's changed in the last couple of years. I mean, Wrigleyville yeah. looks completely different now. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. Um, and so then, it, uh, I'm assuming I have this right, you moved to Charleston, is that right? Or no? Yeah, I've been here for, yes, Charleston, South Carolina. I've been here for nine years uh, with my band, uh, Doom Flamingo. All right, and so, well, let's talk about Doom Flamingo. Um, what... Uh, you you guys all hooked up through um, a mutual friend, I, I, I think I heard. So Hank Wharton and um, looking for some players as I had a, a slot to play a gig. So we had uh, put together a group and that group um, quickly became Doom Flamingo. And, and, and the idea was there. We, we'd all talk um, and synthwave and, and 80s pop, but uh, with the original spin um, just kind of became our um you know just became our niche so that's that's what we uh that's the that's the band we are we're like we're a synthwave uh band that has the yin and yang the doom and the flamingo so you get the darkness and the light and a little bit of both which is super fun to convey but um conceptually on stage as well i heard that name was your idea uh you you and your and your wife to some extent to some extent, my um, my wife was uh, afraid that because I love the word doom so much that, that I was starting another um, dude band that uh, was all metal and dark. And she's like, you need to, you know, you need to get some girls to enjoy what you're doing. And um, <clears throat> plus, I like the way the word doom looked, like that big bubbly D and the O's and the, the I just like I just loved everything about the word, the way it looked, the way it sounded, um, the word itself. And then Flamingo had just hit me while I was uh, relieving myself uh, in the bathroom. I was like, this is it, man, Doom Flamingo. And I uh, told the rest of the band, they weren't really, not everybody was 100% at first, but, uh, but everybody came around. And now it's, uh, I think it's working, it works.
how did the synth wave sound come to be? I mean, was there a particular member of the band? And well, actually, first, let me run through the members of the band for our listeners. Yeah, because, I was going to do that. Yes, absolutely. Um, because I think it's important. Uh, Kanika Moore on, on lead vocals. Uh, Ross Bogan on keys. Thomas Kenny on guitar. Uh, Mike Quinn on saxophone and keys. And Stuart White on drums. That is it. That is the six, the six-headed beast, Doom Flamingo. Which, uh, who, who, who pulled it towards synthwave? I, I can't really put my finger that it, that it was exactly pulled on synthwave. I mean, obviously, Ross Bogan uh, is, a synth, is a synthesizerist. Is that a word? Yeah, I was going to ask now. you if it was um, him. We, we had kind of pulled from some some influences and playlists and. I think it was a group effort, you know. I definitely wanted to go in that '80s um, route as well. I, I I don't think we wanted. Part of me, part of me myself, selfishly did not want to do something that was de- um, like a funk band or or uh, a reggae band or or um, or anything. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to be different. And Kanika is so strong and so well versed in every genre. I think it just hit us in the face that synthwave and the '80s vibe was. Was, was meant was meant for us so maybe it chose us to be honest well i i like the term vampire porn that's been uh music that's thrown <laughs> around um yeah and, and i mean it's it's I, an interesting I'm, I'm not a, i like that one too i like that one too <laughs> um i mean I, I definitely think there's some uh at some point some sci-fi producer is going to reach out to you guys and say can i use your music what I really like is, and we have, and I'm, I'm, I'll plug us about this too. We have our Doom EP, which was uh, some of our earlier works that showed the dark side. Uh, we have our Flamingo EP ready to launch. I mean, it is mixed, mastered, and ready to go. We're just getting ready to get rid of that. We have an entire new record as well finished that we want to release too. And that we don't really have um, a dialed in concept for it yet, or even an album title, but we have a ton of new music and, um, you know, vampire porn, sci fi um commercials i mean it, a lot of it, it it could uh it could easily be the glue um to fit into all sorts of, of those categories yeah you could be straight up the soundtrack for the uh, stranger things season <laughs> we, could, we could do that we could do that um so uh you guys got together and in charleston and um uh Sounds like a lot of those a lot of those guys had played together before and played at the poor house. Oh um, yeah. So, um, but was the was the band formed kind of for a summer camp slot? No, the band was formed in Charleston to play a Charleston gig, um, and then we got into the studio right away and put pen to paper. Ross had a bunch of uh, demos and and lyrics, and Kanika started writing lyrics, and then we all got together and and rehearsed and wrote, and and uh, we just basically been doing that all the time. Summer camp just um, luckily, uh, you know, Ian was was gracious enough to to put us on there and give us give us a chance to play some gigs. So um, you know, we, we we've been trying to get outside of Charleston, and everybody's uh, extremely busy, um, whether it's family. Uh, children or just gigging. I mean, those guys play with everybody. Mike Quinn, our sax player, probably plays nine gigs a week. 
he's a busy dude. So, uh, I mean, they're, they're professional musicians, they're players. And, and, and we feel what we have with Dim Flamingo is really special and, and uh, our potential still there. The best is yet to come. And we just want to keep releasing as much, uh, let's say this, the creative well is deep and uh, we're just lowering the bucket. It's, and it seemed like you guys kept busy during the pandemic too. There was some stuff that was released, you know. Yes, yeah, whether videos, uh, new tunes, um, definitely new covers. And, and we're just excited to get on, um, play some festivals this summer and get back, uh, back in front of people and on some main stages and, and outdoors and, and get back to normal tour life that, uh, that was shut down for a year and a half, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's been rough. Uh, you, you you mentioned the covers. Uh, I, I have to mention the touch of gray. You got to do that for, for Phil Lesh's birthday? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, 75, I believe. He was 75, not 81. That sounds right. I don't know. Yeah. Well, well anyway, you know, the interesting thing about that was um, how do you slow down a Grateful Dead song? You know, it's kind of it's kind of risky. So when when we were approached um, to do the song, especially with Doom Flamingo, I wanted I, we all not me. Uh, we all wanted to take a different approach to doing um, something that had that 80s vibe for the Grateful Dead, but something that we could put a little spin on it and make it uh, the, arra the arrangement or or uh, or the style our own, you know, without taking away the integrity of the song. And uh, that was super fun to do. And we did it all. We, we, we went down to the poorhouse and we, we arranged it, learned it and recorded it all in like four hours and, um, and then made a video of it as well. So it was really like kind of on the spot and, and a nod to, uh, to the Grateful Dead too. Uh, Phil Lesh was just at the poorhouse. He played out on the deck with, um, with a band. And uh, it was really cool to see Phil walking around the poorhouse with his hat on backwards, just cruising around people coming up to him and, taking pictures and thanking him and it was cool man it was really cool great cover i i actually probably like it a little better than the original but um it's uh -huh. very kind uh, of you so um uh, just talking a little bit more about summer camp you've gotten to play in some of my absolute 
uh, honestly, my favorite moments at summer camp, uh, Huey and the Rumors and, and God Boner. Um, I'm a huge yeah. Queen fan and I'm a huge Huey Lewis fan. Uh, is, is, are, there, are there moments from summer camp that you have that just blow your mind? Um, absolutely. I mean, uh, being in the rumors, um, Huey Lewis, the rumors that, that was, uh, that was the only time that happened. So that was extremely special, especially growing up on Huey Lewis and just being able to hang out with the guy where he's kind of like an uncle. Um, that's definitely top five. Uh, and, and that uh, moment in got, time, that moment in time, I mean, he, he can't sing now. So you kind of got him at the end of, of his yeah he's he's he he is uh, struggling right now with his ear i can't um, tell you the exact name of his diagnosis but yeah i think it's pretty bad for him um i've i've reached out to him a few times and i'll text and, and i've read a, a couple articles he's done and he's going through some uh some tough times with his hearing and, and just with hearing pain and everything too it kind of sucks it sucks um, so that, you know, that makes that moment even more special. And then, uh, you know, I'm, I grew up uh, when um, when I first started uh, seeing Ween back in like the 90s, um, just to be able to play music with them, play some Ween music, being a part of God Boner was, uh, was pretty funny. And I came up with that name, by the way. side projects at uh like i've got this new band called death kings with mike karuba and, and mike ganser and we during covid um have written an entire skateboard thrash punk rock album so hopefully um well hopefully the three of us can get together and actually hang out in the same room for the first time and then rehearse but it's pretty crazy that creatively as we were isolated at home we were able to write an entire record uh from our home studios um, so we're excited to get that out there. We haven't really leaked too much of that. Um, definitely excited for Doom Flamingo to get a couple shows and get back on the road and get up there. And, and um, doing a bunch of stuff here in Charleston now that I'm getting to know a lot of the musicians. I've got a gig tomorrow called Pedal Flex, um, where me, the drummer, Ron Wiltrout, and Ross Bogan, uh, it's all improv, um, instrumental. I've got a, a looper going on, which is funny because when you brought up Huey Lewis, I just sampled the American psycho Christian Bale um, talking about Huey Lewis sports before he puts an ax through Jared Leto's head. So in 87, Huey released this. 
four, their most accomplished album. I think their undisputed masterpiece is Hip to Be Square, a song so catchy, most people probably don't listen to the lyrics, but they should, because it's not just about the pleasures of conformity and the importance of trends, it's also a personal statement about the band itself. Hey, Paul! There'll be some weird, uh, there'll be some weird stuff going on Friday, and and that's exciting too because you play with new people and you challenge yourself, and and it's all improv, so you don't know where it's going to go. So it's it's you know there's there's no way to prepare um, musically, just just mentally and spiritually. Well, and yeah, you mentioned uh, the the band pr- prior to the last one you mentioned. I, m- maybe that's the last question I was going to ask is that, you know, there's this other band that we haven't talked about. And I, you know, that you're in, then maybe we should talk about. And I, I thought it was called the Hazards. Uh, no, the Hazards That's is a different, different project. Different project. Well, I can, I can. Uh, I think the band we haven't spoke about is Death Kings. Death Kings okay. is the band. So we, we, we started. Let me, let me re- go back in, in chronological time here. I remember having a few beers, being a little tipsy, and watching uh, Future Rock cover "Breed" by Nirvana. Uh, the year before Nevermind was going to become its 20, 20th or 25th anniversary. Cosby Sweater, which was then Turbo Suit at the time, um, invited me to come and do a tribute to Nevermind, except we rearranged and redid different versions of the entire album. We did a dub poly, a lounge jazz, lounge act. Is that um, the thing that played at, at that show played at summer camp? That um, a, a Nevermind tribute or a Nirvana tribute. That I think we I thought we did it in New York City. And yes, we did. We did do it out. We did it at um at summer. And that's what started. Um, I there. told Ian. I, yes, fantastic man. Yes, fantastic. and we had we had Eli play with us on keys for the summer camp show. After that, that's what spawned uh, the Nine Inch Nails tribute I did with uh, Jason from Cherub and Jake, um, a bunch of us. Uh, and then the next year I did Green Day with Chris Myers and Mike Ganser. And that sparked one punch, which became uh, basically, we got away from all Green Day. It was like 90s punk, a lot of Ween, a lot of Weezer, Ramones, etc. The Hazards became a, because Mike and I started writing original music, um, Chris Chris couldn't tour anymore. Do the punk gigs after the shows. He was, you know, he it was it was it was getting too much. So the Hazards was more punk covers, and it was going to be Rob 
from Aqueous on drums. Um, but we never got to do any of those gigs because of COVID. And um, as I kept hanging out with Mike from, um, from Aqueous, we decided that we should do a whole new band of original stuff. And, um, and, and from different bands, you know, me being from God Boner and Doom Flamingo and, and uh, the Rumors and, and uh, Basic and the Omega Moose. Uh, I finally put together this trio and we have finished the record. We are officially Deaf Kings. So you have a little bit of the, the skulls and the royalty, some purple and black. And, you know, there's a, there's some, there's some concept behind there. And I'm, I'm eager for people to hear that music too. Like we, we really want to, um, we've got some ideas. I don't want to give it all away because I don't think it's going to happen by summer camp yet, but we've got some big ideas. So keep, right, well, keep an ear and an eye out for uh, death Kings. We'll be looking forward to that at a future summer camp. Um, so I, th th I know I've kept you, but I know you got to run soon. Um, uh, one last thing I, I got to talk about, uh, is our, our, did you just get scared of kickball or what, what's happening there? Well, you know, I, I figured this question would come up and I'm glad that it's last. Um, when you're, uh, and this is ironic cause here I am at the gym. Uh, I don't want to toss names around like Tom Brady, but, uh, when you, when you are the goat and, and. And, and you, you thought it was time to hang it up. Um, I hung it up. I, I dropped the mic at nine and one. It's a pretty, pretty good record. Um, I'm sure there's some asterisks there for people who think that you can actually cheat a kickball, which seems to be pretty impossible. The rules are fairly simple. However, I'm in the best shape of my life right now and I'm feeling pretty damn good. I'm rested coming into 2021 in a, in a hot August. There, I'm not saying there isn't a chance, but I'm going to leave the door open that uh, that I could be back for one more run, one more one more championship. All right, Michael Jordan did it. I mean, come back and I, I believe in you. Yeah, I be I believe in me. <laughs> And I think that's a good place to take this out. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, that was great. On your way to the gym. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I got to get big. Got to get big for kickball. Can't quit on leg days. All know? right, man. Thanks again. Absolutely, man. Looking forward to summer camp, dude. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you a shout if I see you backstage. Okay. Cheers. Right. Take care.
Okay, my thanks again to Ryan Stasek from Doom Flamingo, The Rumors, God Boner, and so many other projects and bands. And, of course, from Kickball. That last song was uh, Doom Flamingo with Across the Room from Summer Camp in 2019. And with all that Huey Lewis talk, we gotta hear a bit of The Rumors. So here's our jam of the week from 2011. It's Huey and his band doing I Want a New Drug with an extended jam as you've never heard this song. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll be back in a couple weeks with another episode. We're getting close to the big weekend. Can't wait to see you all.
Thanks again. We love you guys. Have a great rest of your weekend at summer camp. Okay, bro, workout program, go. Gotta start with burpees, buddy. Just rip and burpee box jumps, buddy. 50 burpees, 50 push-ups. 50 burpees, 50 push-ups, stairs. Protein break. Just rip and drop sets. Just rip and bent over, rear delt raise with head on bench. Delts to die for, buddy. Just rip and cable rope, overhead, tricep extensions, hashtag no excuses. Hashtag beach body. Legs. Hate doing legs. Let's skip leg day.